0: Hey, hey, all right, we're back. This is Nick. This is the Bomb City Podcast, and this is episode 20. Uh, Thank you guys for your patience. I know it was uh, quite a bit of a delay between 19 and 20, but we're back, and here it is. I'll I'll catch up with you guys at the end of this, but you've waited long enough. I don't want to keep you waiting any longer. Here it is, episode 20, my interview with Ross, who runs the 46 to 64 Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening. Man, so I'm... I'm really excited. This one's kind of interesting, because uh, I'm really familiar with your with your Instagram, with the 46 to 64.
1: Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it, man. I, uh, I, I love history, and uh, this is my passion, you know, documenting custom cars and, you know, car clubs of, you know, the LA area, and all the way down to San Diego, and all the way up to your area, too, you know, in the Bay, so that's my passion. It started with digging through yearbooks, of all things, and then from there, I was like, I was in contact, you know, a custom car chronicle, Rick Hoving. Yeah. And um, I was in contact with him and Custom Rama for a while. And I was like, hey, I'm going to do some digging in old yearbooks and uh, see what I can come up with. Because a lot of these guys who had custom cars back in the 50s, they were just kids. Right. You know, they're like 16, 17 years old. And I was like, you know what? Light bulb went off in my head, and I was like, I might as well go straight to the source where they were at and see if I can find stuff. And I found some pretty cool stuff, so that's where it started. <laughs>
0: that's a great idea. Yeah, the sometimes like uh, Josie, my wife and I, like we got cut up mm-hmm. on cut up on that sort of stuff. Like uh, the Floyd DeBoer fifty eight is oh, like yeah. is a huge inspiration for uh, for the paint we did on her car. But that yep. was like I. I I think Watson was like maybe 20 or something if Floyd was in high school like it, it that blows my mind
1: yeah Watson was actually when Floyd's car was painted he his car was painted in 58 I think when it was brand new um, and he was from Downey if I'm not mistaken and I actually am in contact with a guy who who pinstriped Floyd's car his name's Mike Klein's um, he's still around and he worked with he worked with Larry. At his '59 shop on Rosecrans, '90, '12 Rosecrans in Bellflower, and he actually pinstriped Floyd's car. But yeah, Watson was really young when he did his car. He was probably, like you said, 18 or 19, maybe even 20, right in that ra- right in that range. Definitely before 21. Definitely before 21. Yeah. So yeah, that's wild.
0: So what's What are you doing these days for for background when you're chasing down a history on a car or a person or something like that? Are you still looking at yearbooks?
1: Yeah, I I do the yearbook thing. Um, I have a lot of files I've scanned. Like, I scan the yearbooks, and they're just on my computer. So, like, I'll go through, like, let's say, I don't know. Let's say, for example, I'll go through Compton High School in Compton, California. I'll go from like my name says, the yearbooks from 1946 to 1964. And say I find a car with a name in there, and I'm like, okay, that's a sick car. I need to figure out what happened to that car and get some more information, you know, what club they were in, who might have customized it, who might have painted it. So I do some more research on names and stuff like that with people from the area. And then I'll use like white pages and ancestry to like backtrack to figure out where these people are today, you know, like, and so many, I've actually, it's been, there's been a lot of cases where I've actually tracked the people down. And it's actually really sweet when you finally get to that point where you can talk to them on the phone. You're like, hey, you know, were you in this car club? Did you have this car in high school? And then like, you know, lights go off and then we have a conversation and then, you know, we document history pretty much what they did back in the fifties. And it's pretty sick. I, I love it. That's
0: really cool. Like so far have most people been open to talk about stuff from back then?
1: Yeah, actually, yeah. Um so I tracked down a guy in the cutouts car club from Long Beach not to probably two weeks ago. I tracked him down. His name's Ron Doolin. Um he had a car painted by Watson at his fifty nine shop and it was a um it's a Plymouth Fury. He did two versions of that car. He did it in a candy burgundy over white, and then he spilled brake he brought it to a mechanic shop and they spilled brake fluid on it Jesus. and then he brought it back to Watson and then he put fog panels in between it so he added more panels for more depth and then and that's the you know that's the version of the car everyone knows and you know without getting a hold of him we wouldn't know the story why it got that second version so it's pretty pretty neat <laughs> to it's get really that cool. information but yeah, yeah it,
0: it can be really confusing doing research like on on cars from back then yeah totally there i was i was hunting down i i wanted to write something about uh the aztec so i started, oh, yeah I started doing research into what happened to it after uh well, after all the the craziness that happened with it and you yeah like you search the forums and stuff like that, and you find conflicting stories from people that were actually involved in it uh-huh it, it's so hard to figure out like what what actually happened,
1: yeah especially yeah like you said conflicting stories oh, that happens a lot man like You'll have I have guys who who like message me be like this didn't happen this didn't happen like the, all right so you know the car the moon glow from the Long Beach renegades right that that car is, has a really really like sad ending to it because it got crushed yeah. and I I got a message like probably like four months ago some guy was like it wasn't crushed I got a, I have a photo from a yard sale in San Pedro. And the car's not crushed. It still exists. And I was like, man, I don't know about that. So I called. I was like, I need to confirm this. So I called Ron Guidry, who was a Long Beach Renegades member. And I talked to him on the phone. I was like, hey, you know, tell me everything you know about the moon Glow because I know you're friends with Dwayne. And, you know, tell me what happened to it. And he was like, well, exactly from his, his, Ron's, bro- well, take that back, Dwayne's brother, and Larry Watson both said to Ron that it was crushed, and the only thing they got from the car was a blue tinted vent window that's it huh. so we we debunked that one, so that one's good, but yeah i mean there's there's always stories floating around there about custom cars, you know folklore and stuff like that. you know are they still around, or are they not around, or you know you never know sometimes some something'll pop up you know like the like the um golden Sahara, yeah. That popped up like crazy, that was like I people knew it was there, you know, but there it is, know <laughs> it's there <laughs> that's wild.
0: that's that's going to a to a museum out your way, right
1: in Indiana, yep, it's going into Indiana. um I don't know the museum's name exactly, but i do I don't know where the cookie car is going. that might be going back to California, hopefully it is, yeah. hopefully it is you know i I actually wanted the Golden Sahara to go back to California. I wanted it to go to the Peterson Museum. that'd be right I thought it would be sick to, you know, have it on display for, you know, generations to learn about Barris and, you know, the history of Barris customs and how important it was, you know, to car culture. So, do you want but, yeah. to see it restored? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. I actually, I actually do. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a lot of money in plating. <laughs> it's a lot of money in plating man yeah I mean but I think when it, when it's done and restored it'll it'll just blow the doors off of a lot of things you know and people, people will be able to go back in time and be like wow so this is what it was like to see it you know yeah. so that's exactly why
0: yeah I, I'm on the fence personally like it would be rad to see it finished and, and nice and new and all that but it would still like I, I hope they at least make the rounds through the show circuit with it as it is now
1: that would be cool, and you know it—it it faded crazy because it was pearl white, and then it just—you the, know—nitro lacquer just turns yellow, so it, like it turned completely golden. The <laughs> whole car—it's—it's it's kind of ironic, you know, the golden hair turned completely golden. Right. But, <laughs> but yeah,
0: that's awesome. Yeah. That Mikum was kind of a weird deal this year. We were watching it, and uh,
1: like uh-huh.
0: some some really cool stuff went through, and then just like a. A lot of nothing. I guess that's pretty normal. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, well, I don't know what auction happened. Uh, you know, Kevin Sledge, his Mercury was sold. Um, it it sold for like nothing, I think. Huh. And people didn't people didn't understand though, because you know, when you look at an early custom like a late '40s style custom early fifties style custom to the normal untrained eye, you know, like a muscle car guy, you know, yeah. no offense to muscle car guys, but you know, <laughs> if you see an early custom, you're like, Oh, that's just a, you know, an old car. That's an old restored car. No. But like, they're so subtle that you don't know the cues. If you don't know the cues, you won't know them. You know what I mean? So totally. that's why, that's why I think his car didn't sell for what it should have. So.
0: So I, I wanted to ask you about the car you're building. Uh, uh
1: yeah, yeah, St. Vasquez's car. Yeah, um, the '50 Chevy from the Long Beach Renegades. So that that's a whole story in its own. Um, I'll tell you how I how I like got so infatuated with it. I guess. Um, so I've been really into the Renegades and like Watson and stuff like that. Like researching them and uh, tracking down people. Like, um, my friend Trace Edwards. He own he is really he used to put on the um, Motorama in 2010 in Long Beach. So yeah, he, he like the, basically he iron yes. also. Yes, he iron also. Yes. Right. So he basically in 2010, he went and was like, "You know what? I'm going to find all the remaining Renegades." So he went and found all of them and anyone who was left and was like, "Hey, you know, bring what you have to the show and we'll, you know, bring the Renegade Rod and Custom Motorama back for 2010." And he did. And it was really sweet. And he fought, he had a bunch of contact info with people. And I got in contact with Trace this past year. And I was like, you know, I want to find a Renegades jacket just for my collection. You know, this yeah. and that, this and that. And I'm like, we got to talking about the Renegades. And we were talking about – he was talking about St. Vasquez. And I was like, yeah. You know, I was thinking about it. I was like, whatever happened to that car? I was like, you know what? Because that car won a lot of shows. Yeah. Like, that car – drove up from Long Beach all the way to Oakland and won the Roadster show in its class for custom convertibles in 58 mm-hmm. and you know it won every show in the Southland area for its class you know tons of trophies and then all of a sudden we never hear anything about it it's like you know decades go by you know we hear stuff about like what happened to like you know the hero hot of mercury mm-hmm. or you know junior conway's car but we never heard about what happened to you know saint vasquez's car which was very competitive and very comparable to those cars and i was like you know what i'm gonna use my methods to try and find his family and see if he's even still alive well what happened was is i was like i did my methods so i went through ancestry and i looked up saint's name i got nothing like absolutely nothing and this was for like months and then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to look in newspapers and see if I find anything in newspapers. And I fu- I went in newspapers and I found out his last name had a he had a junior in his name. So I'm like, okay, that'll help me narrow it down because it's like, you know, it's a it's a Hispanic last name and mm-hmm. in the LA area there's a yeah. lot of, you know, Mexican culture, so I had to I had to narrow weed it down through the other Vasquez's. So finally I found his granddaughter I think it was on Facebook and I was like alright this is probably his granddaughter I don't even know who this is I'm just gonna send her a message just totally randomly you know whatever and see if they're even related so I, I was like hey this is really random is your grandpa St. Vasquez you know just wondering this and that this and that and she's like yes that was my grandpa and I, he, I was like did he have a custom car back in the 50s and she was like I've heard stories about his car, but, I, you know, I never saw photos. I'm like, okay. okay, cool. So I'm in contact with the family, and she's like, let me get you in contact with my uncle, who is Saint's son, and he knows all about it. I'm like, okay, sick. So finally, I got in contact with his son, and he calls me. I'm in the middle of work, and he calls me, and he's like, is this Ross? I'm like, yeah. He's like, this is David Vasquez, Saint Vasquez's son. I'm like, okay, sweet. He's like, the Adonis. You're asking about the Adonis, and that was the name of Saint's car was the Adonis. Mm-hmm and um so he's like wow how do you know about my dad's car he's like he, i only heard about it from him i never heard about it from anyone else i'm like and then i told him how you know a lot of people you know wondered what happened to it and a lot of people are influenced by it and how important it was in custom car history and then he's like well let me go digging through my dad's old stuff and i'll see what i can find And then he starts pulling out plaques and then, you know, renegades plaques and then Uh a couple other plaques and club jackets and some photos that were actually really cool photos of like cars from that area that like I've never seen before in color. So it was cool to just connect with someone and track someone down and, you know, share a bond over a car. I thought it was just the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's awesome. I have a lot of respect for for what you're doing by actually following through and calling people. We we tried that
1: a little while ago. I'm not yeah. sure if, if Josie told you about that. Yes, yeah, she told me about Floyd. So yeah. <laughs> is that is was that what happened? was that the one you're talking about? Yeah, you know, we
0: Josie's like real good at doxing people. Like she she's mm-hmm. she's great with like I don't know, like Spokio and white pages and Facebook and stuff like that.
1: Yep, That's exactly what I did too.
0: (laughs) So she, she tracked down uh, members of the family. They confirmed it was the right one. His name was misspelled. uh, on custom the magazines. Yep. And so we did all the work. We were so like, yes, we got it. We got it. And we finally like, we found his, his phone number. Like it, it was somewhere. Yeah. And, uh, I worked up everything. I gave him a call and I was like, Hey, my name's Nick. I, uh, I write about cars on the internet. Did you own uh-huh. a 1958 Pontiac? Yeah. yeah. Do you want to talk about it? Nope. And he hung up on
1: me. That's it. So wow. I confirmed he exists. And oh man, so he's still around. Still around. He was. He was in the the Dutchman, wasn't he? he that was sounds in the, right. I don't. I, he I don't was in the. He, he was in the car club that had the big brawl in 1960. Yes. That. That's, that's right. Yep, he was in the car club. That 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 brawl made papers all over California, everywhere, literally. And that might it might even have made national news. Is like, but I think it was the Dutchman, and I can't remember. Let me look it up real quick. Who else it was? But I know that they got into a huge, and someone actually got killed in that fight. I think.
0: Yeah, I remember hearing um, that.
1: But yeah, he was a part of that car club.
0: Yeah, I'd always wondered if that had something to do with, with him stepping away from cars. Or Actually, I don't know for sure that he did step away from cars. I've just never seen his name on anything else.
1: Right, right, right. Um, let me see this real quick. I'm going to pull it up. Let me see. Yes, he was in the Dutchman of Paramount, and they got into it with a townsman car club.
0: All right, that's right. That, that yeah, sounds very familiar.
1: I don't know where the townsmen were from, they might have been from like Lakewood or um, somewhere around that area, maybe Downey. But um, yeah, someone got stabbed, and that—that that was. I remember doing from me doing all the research and papers. Every paper in 1960 was just that story plastered on the news, and it's just like I think that's another thing that brought car clubbing and like the whole custom cruising area to like a little bit of a halt. Was that situation? Um, I remember hearing about that from one of the renegades members that that was a huge reason that it kind of put it, you know, muffled it a little bit and made it where people thought car cubs weren't so nice, you know? Um, but yeah, that was a big deal, but, um, yeah, I have some other, there's some other cool, you know, track down stories from what I've done. (laughs) I'll tell you, I'll tell you another one. Let me pull it up. Um, trying to think okay so the like the first one i ever did it started with a yearbook so um the first one started with a yearbook it was long beach Milliken high school 1957 in the back of the yearbook there's like a guy pinstriping a, merc, a custom merc not just a normal like you know 49 to 51 mercury with you know headlight rings this thing had uh cadillac hooded headlights Um, molded fenders, um, you know, I think it had like a, some sort of a a different bumper on it and a DeSoto grill. And I was like, oh wow, that's a sweet Merc. And the guy in the, in the photo, he looked like Dean Jeffries. And I was like, oh man, that's Dean Jeffries. That's gotta be him. And it looked just like him. And I'm like, he's, he got the watch on, he's pinstriping just like him. And and so I make a post on online. I'm like, Hey, I found this photo in this yearbook, no names, nothing absolutely no names and I'm like is this Dean Jeffries and everyone's like that looks like Dean Jeffries and then one guy's like no nah, I don't know he doesn't look he doesn't look you know white enough to be Dean Jeffries because Dean was white and this guy looked kind of like you know Italian or you know of mixed descent and so I'm like alright so I'm like I need to find out I need to find out more so like I go on the alumni page for this Milliken High School and I'm like alright Get a hold of the alumni director. He was class of fifty-seven, so he was there when this photo was taken. And and he was on the yearbook committee for the yearbook. So I'm like, sweet, this is like my in here. So like I get a hold of him and I'm like, Hey, do you know who this is in this photo? Do you know whose car this was? And he's like, I don't know, but I might be able to get you the full article of where that photo came from because they ran a, a newspaper article for the school. And I was like, sweet, more information. So he messages his friend. It takes like two weeks. And like I, he gets back to me. He sends me this full article with the, na- the name of the guy who's pinstriping and the name of the car owner of a car. And I'm like, oh, OK, sweet. So the guy who is pinstriping, his name is Joe Oliver. And he worked for a guy named Stan Betts. And he was in Anaheim area, like Orange County. And he did, like, you know, louvers and pinstriping and stuff like that. And then – so it wasn't Dean Jeffries, so I confirmed that. And then I'm looking at the article. I'm like, all right, so the owner of the the Merc – so I want to find out more about this Merc. And the owner of the Merc, his name is Jim Hartnett. And I'm like, okay, so that's, like, a pretty uncommon last name. Mm -hmm. So I go and do my search thing and go through my, you know, motions and stuff like that. I find Jim Hartnett. I narrow it down to the year he should have the year he was born and like known descendants and stuff like that. And I found his daughter who I, someone who I believe to be his daughter on Facebook. I did the same thing. I shot her a message and I'm like, hey, you know, was this your dad's car? Was your dad did he go to Milliken? Um, and this and that and this and that, and she messaged me back, she's like, Oh my gosh, that's my dad's car, and he did go to Milliken. and I have a whole article on that car. I'm gonna send it back to you. I'm like all right, sweet. So she sends me back the article, and on the back it's got a Bachelors of Long Beach Club plaque. Mm-hmm. It's got it shows the back end with all the custom work on the back end, and then it tells you know where it was built and all that stuff. So it's like wow. So like from a from a photo with no name, nothing, I have information on this whole car, who owned it, what club it was in, and this and that. And I was like that's that's pretty sweet, you know. The internet rules for that. So <laughs> that was. That was a really cool story to um un- unfold, see unfold behind in front in front of my eyes, definitely.
0: So I I forget. Are you did you live in Southern California for some point in time or are you always from
1: Yeah, I lived in uh Burbank okay. and like I lived like t- in Toluca, Toluca Lake, Burbank area kind of by Bob's actually, probably like right down the street from there. Um my wife, she worked at a hair salon in Hollywood. We moved out there from we lived in Texas. We moved out there. And we were out there for about a year, two years and stuff like that for, it was a good amount of time. And that's really when I was out there, right before I was out there is really when I started to do a lot of research. So when I got out there, I was like full blown, like I need to find yearbooks, this and that. And, you know, I was really, really into it when I was out there. And then sadly, my wife's salon closed down. So we're like... We moved back home to Michigan where we're from and now we're back here but you know I still have friends out there and I I still will probably eventually end up out there that's pretty much where my whole mindset is so <laughs> um yeah probably somewhere in the Southern California areas where we'll end up but yeah we did live out there
0: cool is there much car culture out in in Michigan like uh, at least along the same lines of what you've chased down in Southern California
1: oh for sure for sure um so like there is an area in Michigan. I'm on the West side of the state. So like right by Lake Michigan, like two hours away from Chicago. Um, but on the East side of the state is where the Alexander brothers are from. And they were huge car customizers. Um, they were, they were considered Barris East by a lot of people. George Barris actually coined them Barris East and they built cars like the Adonis East coast Adonis, not saints car. Um, Mm. Which was a which was a 1960 Starliner um, built for Bill Whetstone. Beautiful car. There's a there's a clone of that car. They built a little Deuce Coupe, um, Clarence Catalos car, the 32 Ford that was on the Beach Boys cover, um, and then Barris had a hand in that too. There was a kind of co-built with Barris that car was, but. Also, yeah, there's just a, there's a lot of car history out here in, um, Lansing. There was rotting custom shows in the fifties and sixties, um, in Holland, which is like really close to where I live. There was a car club, um, called Tulip city customs and Dutch clutchers. And they were like, you know, local guys who were into customs, they'd read, you know, rotting and restyling and car speed and style and, you know, do all their stuff at home and, build their custom cars you know out here in the midwest and some of these cars were really good really good cars i actually tracked down um a car it was was a 54 ford i believe 54 50 52 ford it was 52 um so there's this junkyard where i'm from originally and um they're like this is like this one of these junkyards where it's like got everything. There's like kind of like you kind of go up to the counter and you're like, "Hey, I need a part for like a 1960 like Bel Air." They're like, "All right, we have trim pieces out in the back, you know, on an old rusted one or like this and that, this and that." They have everything, man. And so I'm like, always been I've always loved that junkyard. And then like come to find out, like a couple months ago, literally, that the guy who owned the junkyard had a custom back in the 50s. And it was it was a really cool custom. It was fully chopped uh, Ford hardtop. You know, had a pancaked hood. Um, it was channeled. It was really low for a Michigan car because cars in Cal- cars in California were extremely low because they didn't have the seasons we have like out here. Um, now out here to see a car that low was pretty cool because you had to drive it year round. And you know that was before adjustable suspension like hydraulics and airbags. So. I was really intrigued, so I was like, I wanted to do more research. So I got a hold of Anthony White um, from the East Coast. He's on Instagram. Um, his his handle is MerCrazy49, and I got a hold of him because he knows like where every East Coast car came from, um, Mercury's, Ford's, whatever. So I'm like, Hey, have you ever seen this car? It had one magazine feature after the after the junkyard owner sold it, this and that. And he was like yeah, let me look. I have a color photo of that car. So he pulled it up and he had a color photo of it and it it, it just looked awesome. So I went back to the um, the junkyard and I showed the owner who actually passed away. I showed his wife the photo of the car and she was really, really stoked on it. She was like, he used to drive me around in this car in high school, you know, in 1960. And this is just cool to see, you know, the car in color again. So there's another story. There's another story put together. Yeah, that was a really cool one, definitely.
0: Awesome. Do you have plans to do something else with the the research you're doing for the the Instagram?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, um, eventually, my whole goal is to just I just do this because it's like it's what I like. You know, like I like I like digging things up and figuring out what happened to things, and especially in custom cars. Like I like hot rods too and Hot Rods are really, really interesting to me, but Hot Rods are so documented. You know what I mean? They're so... Everyone knows what happened to the Doan Spencer 32. Everyone knows what happened to, you know, the um, McMullen 32. But custom cars were such a blip. You know what I mean? Like, you know, late late 50s customs are primarily what I'm documenting. Um, and they were just such a blip before they turned into... Raised up cars with mild custom modifications and that I I eventually just want to write a book about, you know, the things I find and, you know, the, the connections I've made with people and the stories I've heard. I just want to write a book. I don't know if I want to do a complete, you know, big novel. Maybe I could do like a series of four of different areas like of California I've researched. But. That's probably where I'm going to end up at is a book. because books. I think books are forever, in my opinion, because it's a hard copy. Yeah. Um, you never know when the internet's going to go down. But right. a book is something you can hold in your hand and look at. So probably a book.
0: So you're working on a, a clone of the St. Vasquez car now, right?
1: Yes, I am, yes. Um. So that's tricky for me because... I, me and my wife kind of own our own business right now, mm-hmm. and it's kind. We, we're pretty in depth with that. So for me to build the car, focus on just straight up building the car, it it would take away a lot of time from you know my money and, and my job. Mm-hmm. So I, it's it's going to be a slow process, but I've got it nailed. I think I've got it nailed on everything, and I think it's going to go smooth. So I'm. Saints car was originally a convertible, um, a 50 convertible. Now I got a hold of a hard top, which has the same body lines, same doors, same, same windshield frame, um, all that stuff. And I'm going to cut the roof off because convertibles are, ragtop 50s are extremely expensive. You know, they're just expensive because the bomb crowd loves them. In the lowrider crowd, they, they just love them, but the hard tops they're 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 a little bit cheaper than the ragtops. So, got a hold of a you know derelict hard top body. I'm gonna chop the roof off, and I'm gonna build a padded hard top for it. I think the hardest part's gonna be is building the rear end. Um, you know, taking a 49 Chevy or a 50 Chevy, the rear end's so rounded, and then on the back of Saints car, you have the 56 Packard taillights, it comes straight back and it's like seamless from where the fenders curve down. So that's going to be the hardest part for me. And then, um, building the top, the padded tops, probably going to be really hard. Never done that. Um, I'd, I'm going to have to look up some old photos from like Carson, Carson top shop or like hall top shop and see how they did it. You know, use chicken wire and bent metal or something. I don't know. It's going to be hard, (laughs) but I'll get it done. I'll get it done.
0: That car was showed uh, in a, a few different versions, right?
1: Hmm. Yep. So that car started out. Now this is this is where it gets tricky for that car because I'm still in contact with his son, and there was a version that's that's like almost unknown. So Rick Hoving got a hold of the Larry Watson collection, and he posted a photo on his website, Custom Car Chronicle of the side of Saint's car, and it had a two-tone paint scheme. So it was like ivory white in the middle with some trim, and then it was Titan red. Um, 1954 Oldsmobile Titan red. Yeah, that's like the color the car was. And then it had ivory in the middle. That was the first version. And I'm not going to do that version, because that version is like really unknown. I don't know what the body lines look like on it and stuff like that, um, and the other paint scheme part of it. But the second version was they took the two-tone part out, and it was straight up Titan red, the whole car. Um, had the white top, and then it had Imitation Gold Pinstriping by Larry Watson, and this was in 56. So the car was built in 56, and that was the second version. So he had a, a first version that he was just like, pretty much he must have been like, nope, I don't want that. Sec- on to version number two in 56. So this must have been months apart. So he built this second version, had imitation gold pin pinstriping by Larry when Larry was probably 15 or 16 years old. Um, young, very young, one of his earliest jobs. And then after that, in 57, Saint had a big front nose scallop put on by Larry. Um, just the front. And we haven't, like... No one's been able to like tell like what that scallop looked like, you know, what color it was until I was like searching through the Norwalk Coachman um motorcade video on YouTube because I was just like, you know, I need to pinpoint like cars where they were and stuff like that. And I found a color like version of that car, and it was gold, you know, fogged. I think it was pinstripped in black. That was the third version. And the fourth version, the final version, was the freeway scallops. Now the freeway scallops, that was like the, have you seen that version before?
0: Yeah. The the crazy maze scallops.
1: Yes, yes, yes. That was, that, that was, know. I know I want to do that one so bad, but I, I feel like if I start out with the second version, I can always go to that. I can always be like, you know what? Like I got some, I got some stone chips in the front end. I'm going to do the scallops. It's time. That's, that's my goal is like, you know, what? after, you know, I get a couple stone chips in there from driving it around, I'm going to put the scallops on it. Cause that was the last known version of the car. And you know, that's the last time anyone's seen it. That car pretty much left the scene in 59. You don't see anything, uh, any photos or anything of that car after 1959. And it's wild. Cause you, Oh, you would always see photos of it. You'd see photos, you'd see magazine features everywhere. Every magazine featured it. And what happened was is I found out what happened to the car from St. Someone. when I found him. He said that in 1960, when the Renegades were being investigated by the IRS, um, that's why they that's why they, were, they, stopped being at clubs because the IRS shut them down because of back taxes. Because if the Renegades claimed to be a nonprofit organization, and then the IRS investigated them, and they were just like, you know what? We're calling it quits. Hmm. So, yeah. So, in 60 – they auctioned saints car off. Now I believe that they auctioned it off to help pay back the IRS or to help, you know, fund the situation they were in, mm-hmm. but they auctioned it off for $1 tickets. They sold 10,000 tickets total. Cause the, the rain Gage show went on for three or four days and they sold 10,000 tickets. A sailor won the car. I don't know where he came from, but he won the car, and that was the last time anyone's ever seen the car. It just disappeared after that. So, you know, it still could be out there, but it, it's it's really hard to trace. And I've I've been trying to find it, and I can't. I'm I'm at a standstill right now. That's because of this. Because if I could get a name on who won the car, it'd be a way easy to find it. But I don't have a name, so it's like it, it's almost impossible. But. That's the last thing I've heard about that car.
0: That's cool. When I'm bench racing, like cloning something, or like, oh yeah, if I was going for this car, which version would I do? It's uh huh. It's so interesting to think about, like, especially when you see like a restored car now, like the the Gold mm-hmm. Sahara for, is is a perfect example. When they mm-hmm. restore that one, they're going to restore it probably to the last version, right? But they could yeah. go Barris, which would also be just amazing.
1: Hmm. Yeah. They could go. It could go earlier. They could go earlier, yeah, because it's still got some of the same lines and you know a lot of the same parts on it. They could go. They could go to the first you know version of it if they wanted to. But I uh, I think that a car that's really interesting to think of what 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 version would go back to would probably be the the Louis Battencourt Johnny Zupan Mercury. Um, that's that's a Mercury that that's one of the first Chopped Mercurys ever. Mm-hmm. And um, it was built by Gil Ayala in East Los Angeles. And George Barris built it, the second version, which was pretty well known too. And, you know, the Ayala brothers and George Barris were probably two of the top LA area customizers in the late 40s, early 50s. So you know you'd have to figure out it, it'd be it's going to be a tough one to figure out what version it's going to go back to you know um because the the Barris version is really good and then the Aliala version is really good it's it's lime gold super super simple super smooth um that's going to be a tough call now that car still exists from what i've heard but there's a lot of scariness about that car of who owns it and <laughs> who's hiding it because it was stolen from Dean Jeffrey's lot in you know the early '60s and some uh, let's just say some interesting figures were known to have stolen it and uh, they don't want to give it up. So <laughs> that's that's just what I've heard. So um, I don't. We'll see if that one comes out of hiding. Hopefully it does. Hopefully it does.
0: Yeah, that'd be awesome
1: so yeah tell me about um i'm gonna ask you a question tell me about the chevy um the the panel painted one you guys have yeah the, what yeah. was um yeah tell me about uh, when you st- when you got it and um i guess like what was your inspiration because i can see watson all over it so <laughs> when i look at it
0: yeah well it's it's my wife's car and she she'd probably be the right person to to answer but i can give you some of her thoughts going into it like yeah. So true. she's had that car. She had it before we met and we we've been together since high school.
1: Oh yeah, me and my wife too. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um she got that
0: when she was uh, 16 or so, like really young, and her, uh-huh. her mom built it and uh she drove it forever. That was we we moved in together when I was 18 and that was like our only running car for years before we sucked it up and bought something new. And so right. Back then, I want to say two thousand six ish, we mm-hmm. actually we flaked the whole thing silver. It was like okay. the, the first time I'd shot metal flake, eventually we did like purple candy stripes on the roof. Okay. Which was the first time I ever shot candy. Right. And uh, we were always talking about doing a panel paint, but then it got hit. It was sitting in front of our house. We used to live on like the widest street in uh, in Livermore in our hometown. Right, right. It was like one of those those streets where the two housing developments like overlapped so no one really knew what to do with the space in between so they just built this giant street there right so her car right. was parked in front of our house on the street on like a sunday morning and this uh-huh. guy was we were like down the street from a liquor store uh-huh this drunk guy on a saturn just like plowed into it just full speed right into the, the driver's side fin wow yeah
1: wow so and then that was the inspiration for you to be like you know let's do a different version exactly because you, okay.
0: you can't just drag around the last version of it. it's kind of depressing
1: <laughs> right right and you know that's that's how a lot of cars got different versions in the fifties is they got hit and they were like you know what boom I'm gonna go to a different version that's how Larry Watson went from the Rose Miss version to the Grapevine version he got hit so that was yeah that's crazy man and then you did the paint did you do did you shoot the panels. I helped. No, I I did the I did the
0: flake, and then we took it over to my friend and and clubmate Mario's house, and he did the mm-hmm. panels. Like I I was lucky enough to get the help and see how he goes through all that.
1: That's sweet. Yeah, and That's then sweet.
0: Josie came up with the layout and all the colors and all that stuff too.
1: It's crazy because I've just I was looking through a bunch of because I buy old I buy old magazines to see what happened to cars. Like sometimes you'll see photos of cars that are just like. You know, like, hey, I know that's that car. That's that car in a in a later version, and maybe I, maybe we should document that. But I found a photo of a '57 convertible, and it, the panel layout is almost exactly like the '57 you guys have. It's nuts. I saw and so. Uh, yeah, you saw that, and it was. I was like, I couldn't believe it. So I I tagged her, and I'm like, this looks like, this is like your car, but back in the day, but convertible version.
0: Yeah, it's totally. <laughs> Like it it sort of makes sense because I mean yeah. the the body lines are the same on both of them. So if you're trying right. to to tape out panels in a way that like accentuates them, it, it sort of makes mm-hmm. sense that
1: they'd follow the same lines. Right. Right. But um, you know, it's that's how you know you did a good job is if it looks like it came from back in the day and when you find a photo from back in the day it looks just like your car, you know you did a good job. That's how. <laughs> right there. Well, thanks. Yeah, it was
0: that was really fun.
1: Do people react well to the panel paint job when they when they see it in person? Oh my they... god. Yes. I Yeah.
0: So we live in East Oakland. We kind of live in the hood <laughs> out here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh people love it. I mean, I I it's really surprising. Like we used to live in Livermore, which is out in the suburbs and like people right. didn't like us very much and it was like right. not a comfortable place to be because we were like young and crazy kids. Yeah, yep. But, now that we're out in Oakland, like it's hard to explain. People here are so cool. They just like they mind their own business, and if they have something uh-huh. positive to say, they'll shout it out the car window.
1: That's sweet. That's sweet. I love the Bay Area, man. I, I, you know, aside from being in the cars, like I like Bay Area rap. So I yeah. mean, I, I grew up listening, you know, you know hyphy stuff and all that stuff, and um, you know, Oakland, especially two. I think two shorts from Oakland. Yeah yeah so you know i listen to too short all that stuff and that's a cool place it seems like a pretty cool place to be and you know a lot of culture and stuff like that totally
0: it's funny how it overlaps actually are you do you know the the hip-hop station up here kmel jams i
1: kind of i kind of think i do i don't i know the la stations really well all right well i i don't know the bay area ones
0: yeah there were i think there was one when i was growing up that was like the big 90s like rap station yeah and uh the one of the DJs, Chuy Gomez, was a, like a pretty uh-huh. well known like hip hop figure in the Bay Area. I found yeah. out the other day that he bought a uh, tweak bought Javier Mejia's fifty five wagon, the one that's all flaked and blue panels.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah, and I guess. He... Yeah, I. Th- I think I know what one you're talking about. Um, yeah. So wait, so he bought a fifty five wagon. Who whose was it?
0: Oh, he bought it from from Javier, as or at least.
1: Oh, okay, okay. It's the same car,
0: yeah. Maybe not oh. directly from Javier. I guess I'm inferring that, but yeah, he owns it now. I think he took it out to a car show in the mission not too long ago. Wow! Yeah. wow, man.
1: So the guy, the guy used to do the radio. He bought a he bought a paneled wagon. Yeah, that's sick, man. That's badass. <laughs> so, so what what club are you in?
0: I'm in Los Boulevardos.
1: Oh Los Boulevardos. okay, sweet, yeah, those guys. You know Brian from Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, his Cadillac is nuts. Yeah, it's, I, uh, no, it's I so need, nice. I need, I need, I need to make a trip down there because I, 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 live so close, and I was like, man, next, next time I'm in chi Town, I need to check out the Cadillac. He, that thing is spot on Watson style, like early '60s. You know, cruising Bellflower, it's, it's perfect. He nailed it. Totally, totally. The
0: car's nailed. Yep, it's, and, and it's, it's cool too from a from a club perspective, because, like, uh-huh. a lot of people from the club worked on it. Like, uh, these two really talented painters in the club, E-Dog and, uh, yep. and Freddie Nanden, they both, like, kicked ass on the on the paint.
1: Yep. E-Dog had the truck, too, didn't he? Uh,
0: yeah, E-Dog has that, that truck hand to do, which he was okay. painting for another club member, and then he ended up yeah. buying it from him.
1: Right, 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 right. That's a, I think it's a Ford. It has the... Has a tube grill in it. It's got the um yeah, that thing's beautiful. I saw it at Santa Maria last year. Absolutely ridiculous. Um yeah. Yeah, you guys you your club keeps the spirit alive for for customs and low ride early lowriders. You know, my favorite thing about your club is like it's you know, it's too custom to be a lowrider and it's too low rider to be a custom. It's like you don't know. Right. <laughs> a lot of your members, it's like that line, it's like blurred. Right. It's great. I love it. And oh, then, thanks. um, 68 to 72, like, I think that's the other Instagram. Yeah. And see, I, I was really confused at first with them. I was like, man, I don't, I don't know who this is. Are they like trolling me? I didn't know who it was cause the name I was like, man. And so I was like trying to figure out who had it and for the longest time. And then I, I like, they messaged me and they're like, Hey, you know, this and that, you know, I appreciate what you do. I'm like, i was like, thank God. It's someone who's like, Cool. Yeah, and they're like they're like, and then I found out it's one of your club members who yeah. runs it, and I'm like sick. So like, went and followed them, and I'm like, this is cool. This is cool that like, they're doing something a little bit later, and I'm doing something a little bit earlier with the research, and like, I think it's sweet. You know, the more people that just keep the history alive, the more that this this hobby will go down from generation to generation. You know, it's so, it's so easy for it to get lost if you just let history be in the past and it it could get lost. And I'm glad, I'm glad people like, you know, 68 to 72 and your club are keeping it alive. It's, it's pretty sweet.
0: Well, thanks. Yeah. So I, I should give Bob a shout out who does the 68 to 72 account. Sure. Yeah. He's, he's an awesome guy. And I'm between the two of you, there's so much good stuff on Instagram now. Like, Uh Our, our club was more or less founded from a, a lack of information available uh-huh. on the internet like i i wasn't a member i, I didn't get on the ham until 2007 ish 2006 maybe right and they the boulevardos club and site and forum and all that started i think 2006 maybe 2005 mm-hmm. ish yep their
1: forms is great i I've, I've man i've spent time on that site anyways sorry to cut you off go ahead
0: <laughs> so, yeah back then like you couldn't talk about lowriders on the ham like even if you like Josie has posts from back then. I think she was on in two thousand four or five, uh-huh. where she'd be like, "Larry Watson, crazy paint jobs, and they get shut down." Like why? Uh, back then, it was everyone was too cool for school. They, they didn't want to talk mm-hmm. lowriders, and e- even cars that were borderline.
1: That doesn't make any sense to me because custom cars are lowriders, and lowriders right. are custom cars. They're the same thing. But people don't want to acknowledge that. It's hard because, it's it's true. I'm going to go off on the subject for a second. Is that okay? Sure, sure. <laughs> okay, cool. So, like, it's true, like, lowriders and custom cars, you know, they they have their differences, but let's be real here. They came from the same thing. like Totally. You know, East Los Angeles, like, I I believe bombs came from East LA. That's what I believe. I believe bomb culture came from East LA, like, young Chicanos with... You know, not having much money and just being like, you know, I want to cruise the boulevard. I'm going to put some sandbags or cement blocks in the trunk. That's what I'm going to do. And, you know, they felt like king. And that was – that's sick. And I think that – and they were all old school Chevys. And I feel like that's where bomb culture came from because you'll see that today. You'll see, you know, tail dragger like Chevy four doors or like 39 Chevys, 38 Chevys and with visors and all the accessories. And I feel like that's where – low riding came from. I feel like the low riding people think of like with the hydraulics and the in the the wild paint schemes, that came from custom cars in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, that came from Larry Watson area, Bellflower, um, you know, Linwood, Compton, Custom Land, as we, you know, we know it. That's where in my opinion low riders came from because the cars let's let's say in 1955 so in 1955 you know you had car you saw a transition so you saw cars go from sombrero hubcaps and you know fender skirts and stuff like that sitting kind of like speedboat stance to people switching to old fiesta hubcaps cars are more level not as many fender skirts a little bit lower And then you you go from 55 – jump from 55 to 57, and it's all out, like, let's see who can have the lowest custom car with paint scheme with crazy paint schemes. And, you know, they still have Fiesta hubcaps and stuff like that. And then you jump from 57 to 59, and cars Mm. are just so low in the Long Beach in you know, Bellflower, you know, area that it's just ridiculous. And then in 1960 – you'll see the cars that were custom, you know, cause the customs went from like the mid fifties that were customized, with body modifications and stuff to the late fifties where it was like paint and lowering. And then in the early sixties in like 1960, you'll see every car got raised up because of a law that was passed by the CHP is a lowered car law and they'd be getting tickets for it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, of course, Ron Aguirre, who was in the San Bernardino crankers car club and Jim Logue, who was from Long Beach they both had cars that had hydraulics in them, and they could bypass the cops with their hydraulic systems and get their cars low to the ground and raise them up. So, you know, what were those guys? What was Ronagiri? He was a custom car guy. He was in a custom car club from San Bernardino, and then Ronagiri, he was a custom car guy too from Long Beach. So, where did hydraulics come from? It came from custom cars. Mm -hmm. And then you go a little bit fast forward to the early 60s. You see cars on Skylark wire wheels with thin white walls. And it's like, oh, wire wheels with thin white walls and hydraulics all wrapped into one. And that's where it really started to be born, you know, the lowrider style with the custom candy paints and the flakes and all that stuff. You know, and then you go past that, you're pretty much in lowrider territory where, you know, car clubs like you know, the Imperials, the Majestics, you know, Santa Fe Springs, like that's where it really started to go from customs with Skylark wire wheels to just lowriders, And then, you know, past then not many people were into customs and the only people left were low rider guys. And mm-hmm. pretty much the low rider guys took over and that's where it kind of evolved at. That's just in my opinion, from what I've seen, um, I've, a lot of people agree, and a lot of people disagree, but that's what I think happened.
0: <laughs> Can I give you my take? Yeah, for sure. So I, I'm halfway in between. Like, yeah, I think people put too much emphasis on uh, custom cars coming from lowriders, which I don't think is true. Right. I just, I there was no distinction back then. It was way too early right. to say there was different genres then. It, it just. Right. And then. So the low-riding, as as it's commonly known, really comes out of the late 60s, right? Right, right, right. The
1: term, the term
0: and everything, right. But to me, so that came out like, what, 60, I want to say 67 to 69, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. It's probably Bob's Instagram's, what, 68 to 72 in there. Yep, Yep. right in that era. And culturally at that time, America was going through huge changes, and one of the biggest ones in California... Was the Chicano movement, and mm-hmm. so for mm-hmm. for people from Chicano neighborhoods who are building a custom car, now they're looking yeah. back to the past. They're looking at the the brand new deluxes and stuff that were coming out when they were when right. people were building cars in the forties. Mm-hmm. If you look at pictures from the forties, unless it's like a, a really high end custom, I just never see any modifications to cars. I don't see shaped door handles. I don't right. see lowering. So to me, I think I can picture in my head, you know, like the zoot suit period in like Southern California. Yep, the forties,
1: nineteen forties era. Yep,
0: you probably have ten people up in a car driving down the street, uh-huh. and the the tradition of cruising the definitely comes from Mexico, because Mexico I... had this tradition where it was. My Spanish is terrible, but it's like the. Uh-huh. It's like a walk where they walk around a block and people get dressed up and go through the center and like the girls Uh will be on the sideline. Yeah. Like they really invented cruising before cars. So to me, you take that cruising identity from uh, Mexican culture plus the flashy brand new cars of the 40s, which Mm -hmm. people are. And you take those to the late 60s where people are looking back to the Chicano Mm -hmm. identity for like to ground it because it's a complicated one because it's moved. Yeah. You know, from yeah. Mexico to California to Texas. Uh huh. So to totally. me, that's people taking all those cues and styling from the past. And, and
1: putting it into one. And then
0: blowing it up like they'd accessorize a bomb to to the extent that no one could afford back in the day when all oh, the accessories sure. were new. For but, sure. So to me, low riding is a new and distinct thing in the sixties, but it's yeah the inspiration from it I think comes definitely from car culture in the forties so i oh, yeah. i i don't give uh, low riding credit for starting customs I, yeah. I i definitely give customs credit for starting low riding but i will give chicano culture the hugest influence on uh the way we treated cars since the 40s like
1: oh for sure definitely because y- you know like you said the the whole cruising thing i whittier boulevard and stuff like that and You know, accessorizing, you know, new Chevys, you know, you see that in bomb culture, bomb culture all the way to today, you know, it's, it's, it's apparent it's there. So, you know, um, but from my point too, the whole hydraulic thing, which is, you know, huge in low riding that came from custom cars. So you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have low riders as we know it without either of them. Totally. Chicanos or custom cars, you know so totally yeah it's interesting i agree and if if you
0: come across like a bomb looking car from the 40s i will reconsider my position
1: (laughs) oh yeah for sure i actually came across it's crazy because um it's on my page i'm gonna pull it up right now hold on i have my page pulled up i'm looking it's like a 30 chevy um it's got like a connie like a connie nettle kit on the back like a connie kit um but it has like flipper hubcaps on it and it's all lowered it's got padded running boards um cool. and the guy the guy who owned it was from east LA and it's like it this photo just looks like bomb culture like low riding culture and custom cars all rolled into one hmm. it's like it's wild um it was uh it was pretty sweet to see that, like an old Chevy, you know, because if it would have been a Ford, it would have been like, eh, you know, it's, it's a Ford. But, you know, you know, with low, ri- like, low riding culture, like Chevys are king. So it's like to see an old, like 30 Chevy, you know, have those custom car parts on it and be from East L.A., it's like, man, that's it right there. That's what they were doing back then. So it's pretty sweet to see that. Yeah, that's awesome. So now I'm have... scrolling through your page. <laughs> yeah, I was. Just... You see the one I'm talking about? I haven't found the... it yet. Uh, I don't, man. I don't even know how far it is. It's somewhere back there, but it'll say East Los Angeles, and I think it says like 1957 or eight on the bottom. I put it with the old English lettering and the bars. Oh yeah, yeah, 1959. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, 31
0: Chevy yeah. five window. Yeah, that's rad.
1: Yeah, you that... see what I'm saying there? Totally. Like the mixture of both. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. That's really neat.
0: I haven't seen that before.
1: But yeah. Um, so what? What got you into custom cars? I guess for you. You know, I was I was thinking about this the other day
0: actually. Um, uh-huh. my my first car was a '56 Chevy. Hand okay. Out. It sort of came out of nowhere. Like my parents aren't into cars. My dad had Volkswagens when I was a kid. Like, okay. I remember Air-cooled him. Ones? What's that?
1: Air cooled ones.
0: Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't like a bug guy. He he just right. had Volkswagens. Right, I, like, I right. can remember him, uh, he had to adjust the valves on the van every once in a while, so he'd, like, lift the back of the van over the engine instead instead of trying yeah. to pull it out.
1: Yep. Yeah, but, those uh, are crazy, man.
0: Yeah, I think I was I was into, like, retro stuff when I was a kid, and then I found the 56, which I was just in love with it. Like, it's the middle child, I'm a middle child. I, uh, Right. Styling-wise... I
1: try five. Yep. Right?
0: <laughs> It's so cool. And then I I I just sort of found it very, very quickly. I was looking at custom fifty sixes, knowing nothing about it. Like we had uh, we had good guys out in the town next to us, which was like a big mostly street rod show. Yeah. So good like guys. you it, it took a while, like not knowing a lot about cars, it took a while to recognize when they were customized. But yep. when they were, I'd be like, okay, that's rad, I need to find out about that. Then I was buying vintage magazines. And then uh-huh. it's just I found myself straight in it. I,
1: you just dove in. That that was it. Yeah, game it was over. <laughs>
0: no interesting story there, really. I just I I liked old cars. I got mine, and then when it, the more reading I did, the more I liked customs of the late fifties, early sixties. Uh, the b Sonic was like a, a game changer.
1: Remember, oh yeah, that one's crazy.
0: Yeah, like I I used to walk. I worked at a, a bagel shop in the morning before I went to high school. Uh huh. And I passed by the grocery store. I bought a, a custom rider magazine one day. Uh uh-huh. Because it had the I think the Busonic was on the cover. Uh huh. And I just I went through that and it just blew my mind. Like I was from then on, I was researching and trying to learn everything that I can.
1: What's your favorite version of the Busonic? The what green color?
0: one.
1: Oh, me too. I wish I would I wish I would have kept that. Totally. That thing was nuts with the with the with the plastic acrylic grill. Oh, I love it. And then, uh, oh man, that was Larry's. That was a surviving Watson paint job, the yeah. whole thing. And I love the. Ver- Don't get me wrong. The version they restored it to is absolutely gorgeous. Totally, it, they did a totally great job of doing it. But the green version was just like, it's. It just it sums up your actually your car club perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> the way exactly. It it's you know on hydraulics. <laughs> yep, <it's> perfect. <laughs> absolutely perfect. Um, do you like? Uh, What's your favorite custom car of all time? Is it the Bucsonic or is it is there a different one? Uh, Yeah, it's it's definitely the Busonic. Uh-huh.
0: But I also, like, Lanny Erickson's 56 is just, like, I can't stop looking at pictures of that. I've ha- I had a picture yeah. of it on my wall in high school, and I still have pictures of my phone that I can't stop staring at. It's just yep. so perfect. And I, yep. wouldn't, I wouldn't have done this. Like, I I chopped my 56. I would mm-hmm. never put a Merc windshield in it. But...
1: Oh, man that car is nuts and that car actually that car is back again it's uh it's it's on its way to being back you have you seen what who bought it uh
0: no i heard that it got bought though
1: okay so yeah so santo's customs the um custom painter he bought it from lanny and uh because lanny had the whole project and st- stuff like that and he ended up buying it and uh He's got it, and he's gonna bring it back. at The Violet Fantasy is what it was called. He's gonna bring that back. So, I hope he has Winfield paint it. Totally, uh, that paint job was one of a kind, man. It's got like it's got angles from. If you're just staring at it from straight side view, it the it's got so many different angles. It looks like it's moving standing still. It's yeah. it's pretty wild. It's one of my favorites too. My other favorite thing about that car is the back windshield. Like, you know. You could have put in a uh, sunk a curved glass windshield, but to put in, I think it's a 50 Merc windshield in the back of it. To put that in, I think it's pretty sweet. You know, it changes up the lines a little bit, you know, not so much windshield, a lot more body line or paint, area to paint on or whatever, you know. Yeah, I I hear you.
0: To me, it gets weird into the sail panel area, just the the curves look kind of funny. But the proportions are great and the the flow is perfect.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 You know, chopping a, you probably know, chopping a car with a curved rear glass is probably, it's, it's pretty hard. I yeah. mean, you, Dwayne Seck with the Moonglow, he did it all himself. He he just said, screw the glass. I'm making a piece of acrylic and putting it in my oven and forming it. And then he just cut it. But yeah, it's, it gets pretty hard. I don't know how people chop 59 Impalas, the windshield. Yeah. That just, that, that bull is my mind. How do you chop a fifty nine Chevy with that windshield? People do it. Paul does costum Paul does it all the time. He yeah. did an think he did a El Camino and that thing I don't know how he does that. That's crazy.
0: If if I'm remembering correctly, I think he chopped it twice. I think he cut it low and then raised it up, or he cut it medium and then raised it down. I've never don't know. seen two that versions d- of that.
1: That dude's got away with chopping things. Yeah. I, I don't I don't understand. <laughs> it's he just he he whips them out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But, you know, chopping – my chop on the on St. Vasquez's car, it's going to be kind of easy. I, it's it's going to be easy because I'm – essentially, I'm just chopping the windshield. But I, all I have – and I have to build a top around it. But um, people who chop hard tops and weld them up, I got a lot of respect for people who do that. You know, customizers and stuff. That is hard work. Not easy.
0: What's your favorite custom?
1: My favorite one – uh, early, early custom. I can get <clears throat> my favorite early customs the um the Johnny Zaro Mercury, and then just because that one that one or the Jesse Lopez Ford. Probably the Jesse Lopez Ford, um, actually because that one actually was had a really hot engine in it. It was supercharged, and it was just it was a badass custom. Had a great chop on it, and it was a fat fender Ford. But my um, that's my favorite early one. My favorite mid fifties custom, mid to late fifties would probably have to be probably the Grapevine, Larry Watson's car. <laughs> and you know if I if I if that wasn't already cloned, I would have cloned that one immediately. But yeah. <laughs> and the clones are great. They're amazing. My friend John Dennett owns the um, the ones with the silver scallops, mm-hmm. and uh, that car is beautiful. And then. <clears throat> Who owns the other ones? Roger Odell, who took over the Larry Watson collection, he owns the. He had a purple one built for the Grapevine version, and then I believe he just had the Rose Miss version built from the one that the first customized version with the Olds tails and the the non molded uh, Chevy grill. And then Roger also owns Larry's T Bird, the the Vino Paisano. Um, he owns that one. There, that's the original car. But yeah, that's my favorite. That's my favorite um, late. To, probably my favorite mid to late fifties custom is the Grapevine, his '50 Chevy. It's pretty simple. I mean, but the the stuff he did with the paint and how low it was, I just I, I, I'm a sucker for <clears throat> the late fifties cars that are just that low. It's just like, how did you even drive that around? Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, how did you pull into a? How do you even pull into a driveway? You put a board down. I've heard, I've heard stories from a couple people who used to go to the clock drive-in mm-hmm. in Long Beach. And uh, they'd pull up to the clock drive-in, they take the board out of the car, they put it on the ground, they pull in, they grab the board, put it back in their car, and then they do the same thing when they left. So, mm. <laughs> you know, driving a static car that low is back in the 50s i mean that was that was something i got that's interesting to me yeah
0: it's still rough jesus i had a i had a 63 Electra.
1: Uh uh-huh
0: and it was it was lowered with cut coils in all all four corners Uh uh-huh and uh it was huge and i'm driving down the freeway one day we were uh we were going to a car show or something like that like super early in the morning and I got going a little fast, and I hit a pothole out here. Like actually, right before the exit from my house. Now, yeah. this and this was Christ five years ago, something like that. Yeah. And they I bought them out. I destroyed the bell housing on the freeway. It exploded. Oh my god! It hit so gosh. hard. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. It just that... exploded. What was there? I mean, that's that's a big deal. Man, oh yeah. On the <laughs> And. Yeah, the, uh, how'd you pull over? Did, did, was it all? Was it? Did, uh, shrapnel was probably flying everywhere. Shrapnel shot out. It? Yeah, no, it was. It oh, was done. Man.
0: I pulled over. Oh, was making a hell of a lot of noise.
1: That's crazy, man. Yeah, the Dynaflow
0: transmission on that—it's balanced in the uh, the torque converter.
1: Uh huh. So
0: if you hit that, like your transmission's out of balance now.
1: Like. Oh yeah.
0: And it's a stupid Buick. You have to pull out the torque converter to get to the bell housing bolts which is basically you have to rebuild your first gear to do it.
1: Oh, man. If
0: I remember correctly, it's been a while. But, yeah, you have to, like, really get into the transmission to pop it off.
1: So so it was kind of a big or- That was kind of a complicated ordeal. And then so what happened to the car after that?
0: I, I parked it. I was finishing up school, and then I uh-huh. got my first job, and it sat at my mother-in-law's house for a couple years. Then someone left a uh-huh. note on it, and I followed up and sold it to them. Oh, I- sweet. Yeah, I love that car. I, I miss it, but... Just sometimes you're done with them and you don't realize yeah. it. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. What do you got right now? I I know you got the 57. What, are you working on something right now for yourself? Or do um, you have a car? Well, I'm sitting on a on a few.
0: Yeah. Um. I have a, I still have my first car, my 56. Which okay, I,
1: that's awesome.
0: Thanks. Yeah, that's that's here. I'm not like actively working on it right now. Right. Then I have a 63 Econoline,
1: which is okay. Is it a van or a pickup? It's a van
0: yeah okay so panel.
1: that's gonna be sweet you've seen van gogh right
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. that car is that that thing is insane yeah, that I thing i i the first time when i saw it at santa Maria last year i i about it was you know it's dead on like early 60s style the way the way he has it on the outside and stuff like that it's it's perfect so many little touches he he did to that van those those lines are sweet but so you got the 56 the Econa line, and yeah. are which one which one are you really like wanting to like get after i guess like customizing and working on well i was
0: i was running hard at the van for a long time mm-hmm. i've had the van since 2007
1: okay so so of 10 years over yeah. 10 years wow and i've
0: driven driven it a couple of times in there
1: <laughs> right right but it's it's been frustrating
0: and yeah i I ran out of steam on it about a year ago. I should start pushing again. It's really close right now.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then
0: I got a. I have a 59 Apache that I'm working on building into a daily driver right now.
1: Okay, a 59 Apache, and is that a? Well, I guess it would. It would have to be a step side.
0: That's because fleet side.
1: Cam, uh, uh, yeah a uh, fleet. Well, they're the cameo too. I'm trying to think. I I get my beds mixed up on those. So you got the you have the fleet side bed right, yeah. and then. You have this. You have the Cameo. Are those the only two beds for that for that style? Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not,
0: not too familiar with that. Is Cameo the one that has the like the earlier looking taillights in it?
1: Cameo is like the. Um, it's like a straight sided bed. It kind of looks like a wagon with a roof cut off on the back. Right. And then it has has that tailgate with all the trim on it and stuff like that. Um, but but you have just a normal fleet side, right? Yeah. Okay, cool, and then, so you're building that one into a daily driver, you said, right? Yeah, just gonna...
0: uh, just trying to keep it running. Yeah, that was, Okay. Oh, sorry, I'm looking at a cameo, but not one of those. No, just the regular okay. uh, Yep. Regular uh, fleet side.
1: What do you got planned for it? Uh, for now, I, I want to drive
0: it. Eventually, I want to get it low, and I don't really want to build like a custom out of it, but something that's custom adjacent, okay. if, if that makes sense. Well,
1: what kind of motor do you have in it do you have a six or, or a v8 yeah,
0: it's it's got the six Yeah, it's, it's all original
1: nice nice I love those that's see the six, the Chevy six in my opinion is the ultimate 50s motor mm-hmm. like a lot of people a lot of people like to swap in 350 350 combos um sl- even put in some people even put big box in their custom builds or but in all reality a lot of these Chevy customs in the 1950s they have this, you know, 216s and 235s in them. So, you know, the straight 6 and I love those motors. That's that's the motor that's that's the motor that's going to go in the St. Vasquez clone cuz that's what was in it. And I'm going to hop it up, you know, put a Offenhauser little parts on it and you know, maybe like a Fenton manifold and call it a day. You know that's awesome. They're good. They're good motors.
0: I I've been eyeing this uh, Thixton intake on eBay. And- oh, really? Yeah, man, it's it's like the coolest intake manifold I've ever seen.
1: They look sweet. Those are the ones that have like all like they're like kind of curvy, mm-hmm. and they have like the the um the deep ridges in them. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I have looked at a fixed in, um, but I'm looking at a, a a Clifford intake, I think, or um Offenhauser. I have I have a um like two guys because I I made a post the other day and I was like, hey. I need like Chevy straight six speed parts. Like I need them for the Saint car. And I like, I want them. And I got like three people messaging me like, Hey, I got some stuff, you know, for sale, this and that I can send you, I'll just send you a link to one of the people and you can see what they have for sale. You know, you might, you might find something you're looking for. Right. Thanks for your your truck. So internet (laughs) (laughs) pretty much, man. Yeah.
0: So in summary, I have things, but the, I'm not making a lot of progress on him.
1: <laughs> yeah, same same here, man. It's gonna be a slow moving process for me, but when it's done, it's gonna be set in stone. So everything will be done right. I'll get, I'll have time to do things the right way, not be rushed. Like I like it. I think it's I think it's awesome when people are like, you know, I'm gonna get my car ready for the show and they set a goal for themselves. Mm-hmm. And then they get ready for the show and their car is done for the show. But I can't really do that with the St. Vasquez clone. Cause if I, if I rushed it, I'd, I'd screw up history in my opinion, because I want to make sure this car is 100% on point to how it was in the, in the late fifties. And I can't, it's going to take time. <laughs> Unfortunately, like that's what it's going to take. So,
0: yeah, but. it's, I was trying with the, with the van to not rush it. Like I pushed it for a long, long time. And it was like, every six months like oh yeah it's almost done almost done almost done something else a break like uh-huh. it's it's so difficult to engineer a lowered straight axle mid-engine car <laughs>
1: like oh yeah you gotta tunnel stuff you gotta you gotta see the frame well actually a van the van is a unibody. unibody isn't yeah. it yeah that's what i was gonna say um no frame right <laughs> so you you gotta like raise the floor pan don't you
0: you can i've i've there's a frame-like structure underneath it that you mostly just have uh-huh. to cut for clearance, because mm-hmm. the the loads mostly ca- carried over at the the sides of the van, where it's all pinched together, like the belly pan at to the right. top.
1: Right. Right. But uh, yeah,
0: it's just like getting the steering to to work, getting your shocks in there.
1: Yeah. How do you? That's gonna be. That's like whole. That's whole like geometry. You gotta get mm-hmm. geometry going on with that. <laughs> it's uh. I don't know how they lowered Van Gogh, how he did. I, I watched a whole video on it, but I imagine it was a very tricky process. I know that on in the inside of that van, the engines raised up like really high, so you know they must have. He must have did a lot of tunneling. Yeah, that, well, that, it's that, it's
0: like a brand new frame and everything underneath that.
1: Oh, okay, <clears throat> I got it now.
0: But still, even even starting from there, they still had a hell of a time making it work.
1: Right. Right.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a little box to fit a lot of shit in. <laughs> yeah.
1: So did you did you grow up in the Oakland area? Or I grew did up you... in,
0: in Livermore. It's like know, okay, half an hour from Oakland.
1: I'm trying to think of any car clubs. Do you know of any local car clubs from back in the day or around that area? Uh, I think the Swanks was the big club out here in Oakland. Swanks and... from Vallejo. Yeah,
0: yeah, Vallejo, yeah. but I, I think they yep. met out here in Oakland too.
1: I... Now, are you near? I'm trying to think. We're I get, sometimes I get Northern California mixed up. Um, San Jose. Is yeah,
0: that, not far.
1: That's near you, right? Yeah,
0: I used to commute there. My, the job okay. that I left right after we painted the 57 was down there.
1: Mm-hmm. So, you know about the Rod and Wheelers, right? I don't. The Rod and Wheelers, they were a great car club, man. They were, that's where the, you know, the, you know, the car, the maze. Yeah. It was yeah. A 57 Ford. Jerry DeVito had, it, it was a very, very wild paint job. Um, he was in the Rod and Wheelers. Wheelers, um, I believe. There was a painter. I don't know. How, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it wrong, right or wrong. It's uh, his name was Joe, Joe Chris Foo, He he painted. He was like in the Rodden Wheelers, but he did a lot of custom painting in the San Jose area. He was very very prominent in the late '50s. A lot of magazine features. Their car club was big. Like they they were. They were renegade status for Northern California, and a lot of customs, um, a lot of full customs too. You know, Joe, uh, I'm trying to think. I'm looking at their some of their cars right now. Yeah, I mean, you had the maze. You had Frank Goering. He had a '58 Impala, and um, that car was very wild very wild had wild scallops um stuff like that but yeah it's it's sweet to see all of you know nor- them ha- have be like the renegades of northern california it's cool cool to see a club like that and i did i did some research on them um but it seems like it seems like they were pretty prominent they got car club of the year in 60 i think in for car craft I know, I know the Renegades got it in 59, but I think they got it in 60. Yeah. Look them up, man. Look them up. They're, they're pretty, they're pretty important.
0: Definitely. I'll check that out. That's one really, really cool thing about what you're doing is like, for me, like Mm I paid attention to a lot of the cars and then I started noticing Mm -hmm. the shops, but I never really took the time to learn like who the people were or like how they were organized, like who the clubs were and all that. And it's, it's really cool that you're like following through to get like the full history of that. I, I haven't seen that before.
1: Yeah, man. Um. So like, car the cars were important, but you know they're just as important as their owners and clubs. Like, you know, nowadays you got you know you got Los Boulevardos, you, you got Rumbler's, you know the Beatniks. They they're pretty prominent clubs, and you know they they got great cars and great numbers. But in the '50s, you know, you got to know about those guys too, you know, and stuff like that. So I, I started pretty much started with the Renegades, you know, cuz they're they're in my in my honest opinion, they were in my opinion they were the most important car club of the 1950s just of how because of how many trophies they've won and, and the status of cars and the whole Watson connection and it was it's pretty pretty cool story. They could, you could write a whole movie about that. I mean, just Showing up to drive-ins and pulling up, you know, in numbers with these full customs and hot rods that are just totally show ready. And also even going to the little clubs, like smaller clubs, like there's this club out of Linwood that actually started with the yearbooks, too, that I was like, you know what, I saw this this car and i researched the guy and i found one of the owners of the cars in the linwood high school yearbook and i'm like hey were you in a car club and he was like yeah i was in the road tramps and i was like cool and i heard junior conway had a lot you know from junior's house of color he he had a lot to do with the road Tramps too he knew all the guys and i'm like he painted some of their cars and so I did a lot of research on that club, and that's a smaller club. So even from big to small clubs, you know, you'll know, you find out a lot of cool information on the history of custom cars. So.
0: Cool, man. Well, we've got an hour 25, and uh, I think we should probably call it here. But I, I definitely want to leave it open to, to talk again in the future. And all right, man. Well, thank you very much for your time. This was a, a lot of fun. Thanks, Ross.
1: Yeah, dude. Dude, hey, you know – Chop up what you can, make it sound good. <laughs> it, whatever you got to do, man. I don't care. It was fun. Um, all right, man. I, right, well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for letting me take some of your time. I really appreciate it, man.
1: No problem, man. We'll talk soon. All right. All right. Take care. All right. Later.
0: Well, all right. There you have it. Episode 20 is in the can. Thank you so much, Ross, for your time. And thank you guys for listening. You know, it was, a. Uh, had a rough year last year. There was a lot of stuff going on where I just couldn't prioritize doing this podcast, and I'm really happy to be back and have a chance to have these conversations again. They're a lot of fun to record and to prepare for, and I hope you guys enjoy listening to them. I have a lot of stuff planned for the podcast. Hopefully, I can make the time to follow through on it, so I don't want to make any huge promises, but I'm really looking forward to the next episode, and I got some ideas that, uh, that I think should should be interesting. I want to change the format up just a little bit to keep things exciting. You know, when I was uh, listening to the recording of this, and, man, it's been a while since I've listened to myself. God, I stutter a lot, huh? <laughs> um, Ross was making this great point about halfway through the interview or so where he was talking about how lowriding came from custom cars. You know, the, the candy paint, the lowered stance, hydraulics, all of that. I thought he made a really excellent point on that. But I want to say that I don't think that's the complete story. Now, my response to him was a little weird, I started responding to a question I thought he was going to ask. It didn't listen to what he was saying all the way. So we actually, we agree on 90% of what was said. The point I was making was more about this early uh, lowriders from the 40s argument that I've heard, and uh, yeah, I'm hoping in the near future to take some time to really uh, explore that issue a little further, because I think it's fascinating, and there's a lot of strange information on the internet out there, but... I won't bore you with that right now. It's the end. You guys made it. You've waited, uh, what, a year plus to make it to this point. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your patience. And I'm hoping to have another something for you guys to listen to very soon.